Rutgers legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness Podcast. As always, this is your host, Coach Brad. And in today's episode of Tactical Tuesday, I am joined by my co host, John. We're going to be talking about bluff catching and sort of breaking down mine and John's thought process when determining whether or not you ought to bluff catch. We got some very tricky hands that, quite frankly, I'm not so sure about either one of them. John, welcome back to the program. Hey, Brad. How are you? I'm doing quite well, dreading looking at these hands because they're, you know, the difficulty level is amped up a little for these two today. Yeah. Imagine actually having to play them. I I actually would rather have played them because I feel like, I don't know, like it's weird. The view of other people when they play hands, like you just miss so much stuff that you see in game that the timing tells like just how other folks are structuring their strategies, like just a bunch of stuff that is like hard to see in just a pure hand history. So I actually think that like, as it relates to me, like I would rather have played these hands because I feel like I could be more insightful had I been the one in the arena. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean about how like when you're actually like kind of in the flow of like a table or a game and playing against someone, you there's you probably have a way better feel for, you know, what they're doing and kind of how they're playing. But I don't know. Me, despite being at the table with uh, both of my opponents for over 40 hands had no idea what to do in either of these spots. There are some spots too that like, you know, I'll look at a hand in my database and look back at it and it's even hard for me to fully understand exactly what I was thinking when the decisions were made. It's hard to put me, it's hard to get my mind to sync up with my past self that was in the arena, which is a, a kind of a weird phenomenon that I've, I've experienced personally. Yeah. And I think uh actually just like to for the listener, I, I I don't think it really matters that in in either of these spots whether we were in the game or not, because these hands, both of these hands I think happen or these types of hands happen really frequently and are just sort of, you know, a part of playing poker and like playing like three bet pots in poker, I guess. And so I, I think like the the things that we're talking about right now like won't matter so much. These are these spots are pretty generic. Yeah, but I want to be in there. I want to put me in, coach. I want I want the ball when the game's on the line. Let's okay, start, okay. Let, let's break down hand number one. Yeah. All right. So the first hand um starts both of these hands are gonna be at 1020, six max cash on ignition. I'm under the gun for the first hand with pocket jacks, jack of hearts, jack of spades. Uh I open to fifty dollars, um, a reg in the cutoff, three butts to one hundred and sixty dollars, hold around to me. I make the call. We both start the hand with uh, 100 big blinds. Uh, go to a king 3-3 three, three rainbow flop. Uh, I'll be checking my entire range here, which is what I do. And then the 
put off bets uh, one third pot, one hundred and ten dollars. Um, I make the call. I think everything up to here is probably exactly what you'd expect. It is. I would like to ask you though, what your range looks like here on King Trey Trey. What King X do you have? Do you have any Ace Trey suited? The few combos that you could have. Uh, do you have King Queen suited? I doubt you have Ace King. Yeah, I think King Queen suited would probably be the only King X or one of the only King Xs that I have. Um, I might have a little bit of King Jack suited, I guess, but I'd mostly be four bet bluffing my King Jacks and like King Ten suited, um, and probably have no Ace Three suited. Okay. Yeah, because that's kind um, yeah, of it's think- kind of problematic when we have like only a few combos that really hit this board. Yeah, I think most of my rage is going to look like a high or uh, fucking pairs on this in this situation. Um, so anyways, right. so basically we're out of position. Villain has all the ace kings, all the aces, and probably all the, all the all the kings. Like basically, yeah, this is this is not an enviable spot to be in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's already starting out pretty pretty rough rough spot for sure. Um, turn is the five of clubs, so the board is now king three three five. Um, I check again, and the cutoff bets three seventy five. I don't know. Do you have a uh, 375 into 570? Do you have any thoughts on uh, what you're doing here? I feel like this is just going to be a short ball for me all the time with Jax. Yeah, I don't see how you can do anything other than call, considering, like like we just said, you know, Jax is one of the very best hands that you have for this situation. You know, you're getting 2.5 to 1. On your money, villain has incentive to barrel. Like, but I, I'm already expecting and anticipating that, you know, villain has bad intentions for pretty much every single river. Yeah, it's 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 a really bad feeling calling this 375 on the turn, knowing that that river bomb is coming a lot, and I'm just gonna have to fold. I think that's kind of a mistake, right? Like, I think, I I think in this spot, like because of the way that the ranges are constructed, you're just going to face this bullet almost always. Um, villain, if they have value, any king is shoving for value. Um, and if they have bluffs, knowing that like you don't have a lot of king X in your range, they're just going to be shoving that too. So like you don't have any trays, you have very few king X. Like Villain is so incentivized to jam with all parts of their range after they bet the turn. So is that... You know, when you're making this turn call, well, I get, I get, okay, I guess we'll just do the actual river first instead of hypothetical rivers. So we call the 375, the river is the nine of spades, king three, three, five, nine. Um, I check, and like you said, the uh, villain in the cutoff jams for uh, 1355, uh, which is just about pot. For the record, I did know that Villain James the River because we reviewed these hands, you know, before we start Tactical Tuesday. However, if I were playing, I would assume that the River Jam is coming on the turn. Right. So on the turn, are you already thinking about like which rivers you're going to call off on? If you're ever calling off on a river that doesn't that isn't a jack, um, how are you? How do you think about you know bluff catching in these spots? Um, 
we we can we can do this exact river first. Let's just do like the nine of spades first, and then maybe we can talk about like how you're thinking about all rivers uh, when you call the turn. Yeah, I mean, look, I guess the first place we need to start is like how how many combos of value does villain have here? So it's going to be six combos of aces, three combos of kings, and then how many combos of? Are we assuming he jams all of his ace king? I would assume he jams all of his ace king, right? You, what what are you smoking? Okay, yeah. No, just make sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know if you wanted to throw them all in there. And that's it, right? I well, maybe they have some A3 suited. Maybe, but I like guess, guess, so getting how, how many how many ace kings are there? You know, there's gonna be like twelve, right? There's gonna be twelve ace kings because there's yeah. one on the board. Yeah. There's gonna be three sets of kings, that's fifteen. We have six combos of aces, that's twenty-one. Mm-hmm. And then um, three combos of king queen suited, so twenty-four. And I I would assume king queen suited shoves the river because okay. these are thinking good players that recognize, you know, we almost never have ace king, which would be the main major concern. So how many how many combos did I just say? That's twelve ace king, twelve king queen. That's twenty-four. No six. no no, I, they're not gonna. I, I don't expect them to three bet every single king queen offsuit. Only the suited variety. Oh. Okay. I don't know if that's okay. Yeah, maybe versus under the gun, they're playing a little bit tighter and only three betting the king queen suits. Do you three bet okay. all your king queen off versus under the gun when you're in the cutoff? Uh, no, I guess I, I don't do that either. <laughs> okay. You acted so surprised. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, now, now that I think about it, yeah, I guess versus under the gun, I'm probably not three betting uh, the offsuit king queens. Um, okay, so there's three king queen suits. 12 ace-kings, that's 15, 6 aces, 21, and then um, 3 kings, that's 24, and then 2 combos of ace-3 suited, 26. Okay. And then, yeah, okay. Just, just, so we'll say 26 combos of value is what they have. Uh-huh. And now... I mean, this is like, I, I guess stage one is really just kind of figuring out how many combinations of value they have and then comparing that to how many combinations of bluffs do they have. Um, if they have some ace-tray suited, they're likely to have some ace-four suited, some ace-deuce suited. I think those hands pretty likely are inclined to take that line. Um, ace-queen, I think that lot ace-queen is very incentivized to bomb 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 blocking ace king and king queen um their ace jack of clubs ace 10 of clubs uh jack 10 of clubs nine ten of clubs if they three bet those type of hands i mean it's pretty easy to imagine that they would be three betting some some concentration of backdoor club draws now we can also postulate that maybe they start barreling on the flop with some uh, backdoor diamonds, right? Like ace, jack of diamonds, ace, queen of diamonds, ace, ten of diamonds. Um, We have the jack of spades, so they can't have ace, jack of spades, but they could have ace, queen of spades, maybe ace, ten of spades. And then just some just other random type cutoff three-bet hands because a cutoff is one of those positions where you shouldn't have a flatting range, so it's basically going to be pure three-bet. Um, it, to me, it would be pretty easy to imagine villain over bluffing here. Yeah, that was a 
uh, I, I started out writing the combos of buffs that you were rattling off, and then it quickly just became way too many. Uh, so if they are if they are bet bet jamming every single one of those, then uh, all you really the one it seems like a pretty easy call. Yeah, all you really need is all the ace queens. If if they bomb all the ace queens, then you can call off. Right. That's yeah, and they probably do bomb. All the ace queens. Like if I had to guess one way or the other, I would guess that it it's it's ace queen is always getting played like this. I mean, I would. Yeah. I think you would too. Yeah. That's yeah, ace queen right there. So basically, I think that's the methodology for bluff catching is just counting the combos and because that the reality is like even though they have more king x in their range, well, that's fine. But how much king x do they have? Right? Like how much how much king x can they credibly rep? And come to find out, I guess, when we're counting the combos, is they don't have an infinite number of combos of value here that should allow them to just bomb off on all the runouts. So, and it would be easy to imagine an aggressive player just over bluffing here. So, I think that, like, with, with that said, I'm just calling the river and whatever happens, happens. Okay. Um, I actually ended up folding the river. So, uh, we won't know what the villain in the cutoff had until um uh until I don't know, like a day from now, I guess. But I think it's a pretty sizable mistake, to be honest, folding the jacks. Boy what River. hands yeah. do you call with? Yeah, that's a good question. Like I mean, certainly my whatever King X I get to the river with, that would be the, We've already established <laughs> almost none. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like the three copies of King X. Yeah. Maybe like five. Yeah. That's it. That's like pretty much nothing. Like pocket nines, pocket fives. I don't think you raise pocket fives under the gun. I don't think you call the three betty either. Yeah. Maybe not with fives. Yeah. That's thinking about it that way. It definitely seems uh, way too tight if I'm folding up the jacks. I mean, I don't see why like jacks is like any. Different from like and like queens. Oh, I guess queens is slightly better that we block some of the king queen suiteds. Um, I mean, the reality is like this is just a board where they get to take you behind the woodshed and let you have it. I mean, and like because of just you know, and this kind of all goes back to the turn and just recognizing the spot that you're in as a woodshed type spot on the turn where like. Yeah, villain is very incentivized to overbluff the river. And if you're folding jacks, they ought to be because they are printing money. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this has definitely given me some good feedback and some ideas. Like one of the big takeaways I feel like is that I should start thinking about is maybe having more I don't know, like like would you look at this hand and like like look at the range that I get to the river with and like think like, hey, like maybe I should start having more King X in my flatting range um flop. Is that like a consideration at all? I mean, it's it's tricky because this is just one board type out of many, many board types. And like, uh, I think that, you know, you could start flatting some aces. I think that like having some aces combos in your flatting range in these types of spots is always going to serve you pretty well because that just gives you coverage on all the boards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at least you know you have like, <laughs> well, if I fold the jacks here, maybe I'm overfolding, but at least I have six combos of aces that like I'm always flatting pre and then just calling down with. So 
that gotcha. that could be pretty helpful. Just sort of built in hands that you know are you know is like the ultimate bluff catcher. But I mean, really, it's just this is tough. Like that, this is this is why moving up in stakes is difficult. I mean, these kind of spots you have players that recognize it, and, and I mean, hey, there's really just nothing you can do. I don't think other than like just call down. I don't know that like you know you could roll for like some of your ace kings so that you know you're flatting half of them that that could give you some more combos of king x in these spots but like basically the game is just it just gets more complicated right right okay and and i guess like another way to phrase the question that i had was like if you know if i notice that i'm getting into these situations uh occasionally where like oh my range is structured in in a way where like this the villain in the cutoff can just like take me behind the woodshed is that like an indication that like, oh, maybe I should change something about my range so that like I, I can't get taken behind the woodshed like, <laughs> you know, on certain board textures? And, probably. Like, you know, is, that, is that okay? It's probably not the worst idea. Or is that just um, like an, but, an inevitable part of like, you know, playing against tough opponents is like, hey, like, look, there's just, there are going to be situations where you can't do anything about it and you just get a certain board or for a certain texture and you're... What I would prioritize more... Yeah. What I would prioritize more than making some major changes in preflop strategy would be to start by identifying these woodshed woodshed type boards and moments right. in game, so that like you can either fold the turn or call the turn and call the river. I, I think like just calling the turn and folding the river is like just the worst of the worst. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I hate those. I hate those spots too. Okay. All right. So I think that's hand number one. Uh, it was a little uh, rocky and roady there for a, <laughs> a little while while we were trying to use all our fingers and toes to count the combos up um, of value. But coming up after the break, we got another hand uh, where John has the opportunity to bluff catch on the river that we will break down. And it is another hand that is quite complicated. So expect Fingers and toes to be in play. Stick around after the break. In a world where a fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do, one man Coach Brad Wilson. has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds. No fault. Available now. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash nuffle. All right. Welcome back to this bluff catching episode of Tactical Tuesday. John, would you like to set the listener up for hand number two? Sure. So like I mentioned in the first hand, same setup. I This time I'm in middle position with 10-9 of spades. Open to $50, reg in the small blind, three bets to 220. I call the 220. We start the hand 100 big blinds deep. Flop is 10, 6, 3 with two hearts and a spade. I have 10, 9 of spades. Um, small blind, C bets, 228 into 460. Uh, I call, I don't know, I guess we can just start here and double check that everything looks good to you so far. Yeah, it looks good. I mean, Flatting the three bet in position, you're five-handed, seems reasonable. You flop top pair. Also, again, calling the flop seems quite reasonable. 
and yeah, I can't really nothing that I could discern thus far. Um, I would, I don't think there's much merit to raising the flop, but I would investigate it if I were you. Um, it might just be dismissed, but I would still like look at it. Yeah, against definitely against a pool that could very easily be betting that size, that like half pot to like sixty percent size with range. I think uh, it definitely would be worth looking into um, having a strategy that raises these like more vulnerable top pairs some of the time for sure. Okay, there's also like a there's also like a function of like capturing your equity, right? Like not getting bluffed off your equity. Like that's there's value in that just inherently. Yeah, that's that's good foreshadowing for the. the <laughs> um, okay, so the turn is the five of clubs, ten, six, three, five, small blind at uh, about two thirds pot, six twenty five into nine seventeen. Um, I don't know. This is just pretty unsurprising, I guess. Like sizing scheme from the small blind, fifty uh, percent, two thirds, and then very often jam the river. I assume. What is um, your perception of villains range here on the turn um i think this is this turn barrel is going to be over pair heavy and like two overs and like hearts uh for like the flop flush draw and then some occasional just like barrels um with with like two overs um two overs and like no draw i think that the size like if I had to guess if it's like skewed towards being like overbluffed or underbluffed, my guess would that would be that it's underbluffed and people are not barreling like their you know like offsuit king queens um or like hands like that uh frequently enough, and that it's probably like very very skewed towards overpairs and uh flush draws, but I don't know if that's the case uh at two k n l like maybe people are just really really good at uh having like a balance range on uh with their terminals here i mean what what is our range look like here it's gonna be all the over pairs that i flat preflop all the 10x all the hearts um how many over pairs well queens and jacks okay queens and jacks hearts that don't raise because you you know if you you had to pa- pass up the opportunity to raise the flop with your hearts and right. y- you will raise some hearts i assume yeah, probably like my nut hearts I would, I would raise. Okay. So we um, have- yeah, some hearts. I, I think I'll also have like pocket nines, definitely pocket sevens, I would call this turn, turning the gut shot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sevens, eights, nines. All right. Just curious. I was seeing like if we have sets, I mean, we have tens, probably sixes. Yeah, tens of sixes. Six combos yeah. of sets. Some flush draws, but not any nut flush draws. And then a bunch of like pocket sevens and then 10x like we have. Yeah. And then probably some, I mean, I, yeah. And then at least for calling the flopsy, but a handful of like super weak gut shots that are like eight, nine of spades, seven, eight of spades type hands too. Yeah. And just to sort of foreshadow a little bit, because I do know the result of this one. This big bet on turn, if villain, I, I think like one of the dangers here of bombing with like queen jack of hearts, king jack of hearts, king queen of hearts, um, even ace jack, ace queen, ace king of hearts, 
would be that if you shove the turn, they're not getting the right price to call. They're only getting about three to one, uh-huh. which is, you know, it's a little, it's risky. I'm not going to say that like they don't have all the combos of hearts in their range, but I don't think they have all of them just because again, like you don't want to get shoved on in a spot like this where you can't call. Right. So like ace four of hearts. Yeah. I think that ace deuce of hearts, seven, eight of hearts. Those hands are going to be pretty likely to, to barrel the turn eight, nine of hearts. I don't know so much about like ace queen of hearts really. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and I think that's definitely going to be the case uh, with like better players as well that they that they recognize that hands like ace queen and ace jack of hearts maybe should shouldn't be bet because it just sucks to get jammed jammed on when you have those hands. Well, it doesn't just suck; it's atrocious. You just yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is god awful. Like it is beyond suck. Okay, so I call the six twenty five. Um, the River is the deuce of hearts, so the heart flusher gets there. Uh, the board also now has a four liner. It's ten six three five deuce, so any four makes a straight. And uh, yeah, the small blind jams one thousand twenty five dollars into two thousand one hundred sixty eight. How are you thinking about whether to call or fold, or what hands you should be calling or folding with when you you get to this spot? So to go to rewind a little bit back to the first hand when we were in the discussion about, you know, in game data points, like how long did villain take to shove the river? How long did villain take to bet the turn? How long did villain take to three bet pre bomb the flop? Like all of these things are fairly important. I mean, I don't have, I don't recall like having being, uh, like moved by any of his timing or, you know, taking notes so I, I assume most of his timings were just within like a reasonable within 10 seconds type of thing okay so we don't know <laughs> no, i mean but i feel like if we're like doing it like trying to like i don't know do an analysis like this and like tell people or show people or even myself like you know what your what your general thought process is we should just pick one where like timing doesn't skew us massively in one direction or the other otherwise it's just well, timing could matter because we're trying to figure this out, right? Like we're trying to sure. figure out if villain is capable of shoving like aces through jacks on this four liner when flush completing river. And that's a pretty important point to consider um, because like I think that aces, kings, queens, and jacks are going to think about this river and they're probably going to think about it for their full time bank just because it's, yeah, it's like, do we shove? Do we get called by worse? Um, do we check fold? Like, how are we structuring our range here? All these things. This is a tough spot for villain if they're out of position with aces. Really? I, <laughs> man, maybe, maybe I should be thinking more, but like, I, I just thought that like, yeah, they're just going to jam their overpairs here. I wouldn't expect them to use the full 30 seconds to jam their overpairs here. I, I don't think I would use the full 30 seconds. And maybe that's just, again, like maybe I should be thinking more, but uh, I would expect, I don't know. I would expect, I would be surprised to see like a 10 second jam, 10 second tank and then jam with aces, kings, queens, jacks even. Well, there are some things in play here. So we'll just kind of get to the result of this because it matters. Um, Or at least your final action of folding. Yeah. So you, so, you you fold, right? Yeah. 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 I do fold the river. I think that's, 
I don't know, just like looking back at this hand, I don't know, maybe it was like being more like intimidated by the stakes or something like that. But I was pretty shocked to see that I folded this. I think like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was like pretty shocked to see that I folded this. I think like at 510, like just top pair in a three bet pot. I'm just pretty happy to just call down. and. Um... Now, I want you to go back in time and tell me, since you folded top pair here, what are you calling with? And should aces think about shoving if you're folding top pair? Well, I wouldn't expect the small blind to think that I would, I would fold top pair in the spot. And I, and I think like folding top pair is like a mistake or like a pretty sizable mistake even. Um, so if they know that I'm folding top pair, yes, they should. Yes, it is like worth tanking with aces and or like with your over pairs and like trying to come up with enough worse hands that can call a river jam. Let's add another well, I, piece to this puzzle. We need another piece, right? the final piece to make sense of this is that villain does have the ace of hearts king of not hearts. Mm -hmm. So they do bluff the river and you do fold. So because villain chose to bluff, what do you think they're trying to fold out? Especially if the expectation is you're not folding top pair. Well, okay. That's a good question. (laughs) Yeah. I guess like seven through nines. The answer is top pair, John. (laughs) That is the correct answer. Okay. So then this fold isn't as... I don't know. I don't know how how that should shift how I think about this fold. I don't know how to... I I don't know either. I'm just (laughs) saying... What I'm saying is like... There are a bunch of like assumptions that are made that I don't think are true. I think that like... Villain does expect you to fold top pair here at least some percentage of the time else they would not have jammed with the nut flush blocker because mm-hmm. top pair is, you know, going to make up the bulk of your range, especially the bulk of your range that folds the river. Okay. Okay. So, like yeah. eight, eight, I don't know if eight I have, doesn't like, call the turn eights yeah. or nines. Right. So you've got top pair, then you got sevens. Yeah. And like six, seven suited maybe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and and like yeah, you're right. The bulk of that range is going to be an X, right? And, and so, I, I guess that that's my point is like when you have aces or kings here or queens, you're you probably ought to think about like whether or not you should be piling because you got to get called by a worse hand. Okay. Ultimately, you probably do pile, but yeah, it's still worthy of thinking of thought yeah, like yeah. if you're folding all top pairs here that means you're calling with something stronger than top pair which means that you're beating aces which means that aces probably shouldn't jam mm-hmm. yeah oh man now i'm like all <laughs> confused about how to think about this hand i thought i just made a bad fold and that i should just be happy to call down my top pairs all the time but uh hmm so realistically, if we thought about it and we could eliminate villains over pairs, then I think the river's probably a call. If you can't eliminate the over pairs, the river's probably a fold. So like it, it kind of all hinges on that one assessment. Yeah, I feel like there could also be a kind of a world where the villain has all the over pairs, but potentially does a good enough job of jamming enough just two overs hands 
two Broadway card hands like his Ace King with Ace of Hearts to make 10x become a call. Don't you think that's possible? Maybe they need to have the Ace of Hearts, like so Ace King Ace Queen with the Ace of Hearts. Isn't it better not to have the Ace of Hearts because we we talked about how I would raise that flush draws sometimes on the flop. So like, don't you want to block like the you know? I think they would rather have a heart to jam. (laughs) Just any heart, any heart is good. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know that I raise like Ace Queen of Hearts on the flop. Like I probably just call in position with Ace Queen of Hearts, Ace Jack of Hearts. I'm probably more likely to raise my lower flush draws. Uh, like Queen Jack and King Queen, personally. Okay. Just because those hands have King High, they don't have a ton of showdown value. Ace Queen, Ace Jack does have some showdown value, and like we can bluff catch with those on occasion. But like King Queen, Queen Jack, we just really have, need to realize equity. Yeah, I just have some like trauma of like raising my like Queen Jack of Hearts and then just getting ripped on by like Ace King of Hearts and falling off and being. <laughs> Yeah, you got one combo. Like that's why that's why I raised the Netflix draw. You're you're worried about one combo here, (laughs) the Ace King of Hearts. Like that's that's a little too few combos. I mean, you could also have like Ace Four of Hearts or whatever. I mean, yeah, that that's not fun, but like things happen (laughs) sometimes. Poker's just not fun. But when you fold out Ace King by raising your King Queens or your Queen Jacks then that's a pretty yeah. net positive scenario. Yeah. yeah, it's a good result for sure. Hmm. Plus there's okay. a world where like maybe if you raise like King, Queen of Hearts, they can have like Jack, Nine of Hearts or Seven, Eight of Hearts or Eight, Nine of Hearts. Those type of hands are fairly reasonable. Yeah, yeah. You could stack some worse plus draws for sure. Okay. Hmm. I feel like this hand is still like a knot. I don't know where we've landed. Yeah, I, I, I'm just like I feel like we. I, I, I like just started thinking about this hand. So. <laughs> <laughs> so to answer your question, the question is, you know, I don't know the answer as to whether or not we should be bluff catching here. I'm not sure, and I a lot of it would just hinge on if I'm in the arena, what I feel. You know what? What intuitively I feel villain is doing here, based on some probably just data points that aren't captured in HHs. Okay, all right. Maybe I'll just have to record some sessions and bring those in instead next time. Yes, <laughs> go for it. Um, I, I think, yeah, it's just it, it's a tricky spot. Like it, it's just very very difficult. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I feel like those. If they, if this was like a spot where it was, the answer, at least to me, was obvious, whether it's just a an obvious bluff catch or not, I, I probably would have. Actually, I shouldn't say that. That Jack's hand was a pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I brought it in anyway. So, well, right, we broke right. when, when we broke it down and did our combo counting. We we could recognize that like we probably just ought to call this one. It, it's just tricky because like the river is such an equity shifting river that like it, it just it all hinges on like what villains value jam threshold is here. And I think that's, that's where I'll set it down at. Okay. Yeah. And like you are, and then what you said was that like, you are like means or like the best thing that you think you can do to have a feel for what their value jam threshold is, is like actually just like be in there and like use things like timing and 
previous showdowns that they might have had. Previous showdowns are very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's definitely the most important thing to pay attention to. Right. Like, so that, that's going to be a more important data point than I, than timing tells is just going to be like, how are they structuring their strategy typically? And then just kind of using that as like a, you know, the data point that we just kind of make peace with and then make a decision. I don't feel so great about, uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We'll just cut that out. Chris, that last part, because I'm just going to open the door back for (laughs) more speculation about this hand. So with that said, you know, you fold the river here with your top pair villain does have the bluff and red line gets punished some more, which, you know, that that's what these, these killers at the two K and L that's what they're going to do. They're going to steal your red line and use it to make other people feel bad about their own graphs. So just another victim in the streets. Well, I'll be back next week. So, (laughs) (laughs) we'll see if the victim can turn into the victor next week on tactical tuesday thank you once again my friend for putting yourself out there making yourself vulnerable bringing these hands i do think that especially the first hand was pretty insightful and i i hope the audience uh gained as much from it as you know we did yeah i think the first hand definitely a mistake that i should i need to be aware of and plugging for sure uh so glad we talked about that yep and we will catch you next week peace in a world where a fish dog bets the flop and you don't know what to do one man coach brad wilson has a surefire plan to neutralize flop leads and rip that dunk to shreds Available now. Go to chasingpokergreatness.com slash nuffle. Rated R.